Hello, listeners. Before diving into today's episode, I wanted to share a few ways you can go deeper with the ideas I talk about in this podcast and support my work. The first is my book, The Pathless Path, which many of you have probably already heard about, but if you haven't purchased it already, I really think you'll love it. The second is The Pathless Path Community, which I just opened up as a one-time pay-what-feels-right access fee. And in that group, you can meet hundreds of other people from around the world on unconventional paths like me. Finally, I'm working on a second book tentatively called Good Work, which is going to explore my deeper relationship with work and how that led to a lot of the transformations in my life. You can follow along in my newsletter, Pathless, which you can also find a link to that in the show notes if you want to learn more about that. Without further ado, let's dive into the show. Welcome to the Boundless Podcast. I'm Paul Millard, and I created this podcast because I'm passionate about making sense of the future of work and having conversations with the innovators, creators, and thought leaders who are carving their path in today's fast-changing world. You can check out the podcast and more on BoundlessPod.com. David, I'm excited to talk to you today. I came across an article you wrote titled, I'm 33 and I'm ending my career to start my life. I was really excited upon uh, reading this. I think we have a lot of similarities um, in terms of leaving the corporate world. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about your story. So first, it'd be great to just start and say, first, how is this new life going? You're starting it. Uh, And how would you introduce yourself now? Well, thank you very much for having me, Paul. Um, I, I definitely agree that, um, we have a lot of commonalities and, uh, and I'm, I'm just very excited that you reached out to me to talk about this. Um, so I've been, I guess you can, I, I don't want to call it retired. You know, I, I thought it was going to be retirement, but it turns out that people like, you know, you, me, and, and probably others out there listening are kind of wired the same way and that there's, never really a, a neutral gear. You're always sort of going forward towards something. So I have been unemployed since the 19th, so it's been almost a month exactly. And funnily enough, I feel like there's less time now than there was when I was working. It's a different kind of time constraint, but I definitely feel like time goes by faster now. Yeah, what, what do you... So I saw you're doing a daily video vlog what else uh, are you finding that leaving the corporate world has unlocked certain things that you're more energized or more excited about? For for sure, yeah. I mean, I, I think you know, there's there's competing. I guess there's some constraints, but there's also some desires here. So you know, you you probably read in the article that um, I was going to retire, and and to an extent, that's true. I mean, I, I definitely believe that I am over being told what to do, unless it's obviously working with a client. I mean, that's a different relationship. Right. But in this, in the sense that I don't care about a title anymore, I don't care about climbing a ladder, I really, even a, a high salary, right? I mean, this is kind of a tangential conversation, you know, kind of my relationship towards owning stuff, which was a, a big, you know, big theme of the article. Um, I think I'm sort of over that. So in the sense that 
I'm not really working towards any what you call typical markers of success. I definitely think I'm finished with that. But I was always really curious. And the thing that frustrated me the most about having to show up to a, an office every day, and, and th- this was a fair deal, by the way. It's like you get paid money, you show up. I mean, that's, that's a fair deal. But in the end, I grew tired of it because I didn't have time to learn the things that I wanted to learn. And so going back to your previous question on, you know, what am I doing? So the video log is one of them. Uh, another one is obviously just trying to find clients to, to work on things that I want to work on. But the education piece is huge. So I'm actually completing my third Udemy course right now uh, on machine learning. And then I'm doing some programming as well. So now that I have time to do more or less what I want, I'm finding that there is more that I want to do than there is time to actually do it. Interesting. So what were some of those moments where you first started to question, okay, maybe I don't want more things or I don't really care about climbing the ladder? That's a really, that's a good question. Um, it's definitely been a process, but I would say that, so that there's really two pieces to this. You know, ever since I came out of college, I always had this feeling that I, I did take orders very well. It was just this underlying, you know, again, it's, Resentment might be a, a naive word, and, and I'm a millennial. Uh, you're a millennial. I think we're we're on the tail end of millennial millennialism, if that's a word. And so I definitely look back on some of the things that I did, and I cringe a little bit because it was there was some arrogance there. There probably was some me being naive, right? And and I admit that. Having said that, I think you know you don't step out and do something kind of crazy unless you have those traits, anyways. And so I always knew that I didn't take orders very well. And so that's where kind of my desire to, so that actually, I'm sorry, so that actually first drove me to go to school. So I went back to school twice while I worked and got two master's degrees. And that, that was the first stage. That was like, okay, you look at me and you think I'm young and I don't know anything. Okay, well, I'm going to show you, you know, on paper, like objectively, here's why I'm perfectly qualified to do this, right? So that was being a little bit, I don't want to say insolent, but it was, yeah, a little bit of that chip on my shoulder showing up in order to climb the corporate route. So then, you know, as society started turning more towards entrepreneurship, I thought, wow, I've got all these interests. Like, yeah, I'd like to do that. I'd like to start a business. Well, you know, I started a blog and started some things here and there. They never really took off. Um, so, you know, but still kept at it, right? Still kept doing things. Well, then my father died in 2014. And that's when I really started to question, you know, what, what am I doing here? Because he, he was an immigrant. He grew up poor back in France. Right. And, and, uh, you know, worked hard and, you know, I, I don't want to, to make up his thoughts for him. I'm sure in his mind, he, you know, did what he had to. He raised the family and, right. you know, and, and made, and made things better for his kids, right? But in my mind, I was like, man, this is nuts. Like, you worked hard for this company. Just as you're about to retire, you know, you, you die and it's all taken from you. So like, what's the point of me following in that same path? And then, wow, so, yeah. so that was kind of the first, that was more like, okay, this corporate thing I really don't think is, is for me, but you know, it, it pays well and I've, you know, I, I enjoy the things I'm buying with it. Well, so then, you know, this is now 2014. Then the work, this is when I joined the consulting firm. And as you said, you know, you worked for McKinsey before. Um, it's, it's super high pressure, but you learn a ton, right? Right. And so I was learning a lot, but the pressure was also getting really, really high. And so what I found was I was getting more and more stressed just because it was it was self-imposed, right? I mean, if I read I read actually a history of McKinsey in a while, um, a couple years back, and 
the line that always sticks out is that the perfect McKinsey consultant is someone highly intelligent but incredibly insecure because huh. they're always they're always wondering like, am I doing the right thing? You know, this isn't perfect. What are they going to think of me? Yeah, so it's that imposter stuff. syndrome. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. And so what I found was I was the stress was building and building, and you know I was seeing you know who's now my, seeing the person who's now my wife, Allison, and we got married and we started looking at all the things that. Um, you know, married people buy like a big house and a bigger <laughs> car. And I was like, if I buy this, I'm going to fill it with more stuff. And the stress that I have on me, it's going to like, this is, this is it. I, I can't get out of it. And so, um, that's when I really started thinking, gosh, like I, I go to work and I buy things, but I don't use most of the things I buy and I'm frustrated. I don't get to work on what I want to work on. And so what am I doing? And so it's, it's just, I apologize for the long winded answer, but it just, no, no, it, no, this is a lot. This is, this is great. So it, it just goes to show you, like, if I could just give the summary, um, it definitely was this internal thing inside of me that was driving me. And over the course of, you know, 11 years since school, it just it manifested itself in different ways until it really all crystallized recently. And I was like, OK, I've got all these savings now. I really I don't know quite what I want to do going forward, but I have an idea. Uh, it's now or never. And, uh, and here I am. Right. Yeah, I that definitely resonates with me, I think. I think for most people early in career, you're just trying to prove yourself. And like you yep. said, you tried to do that through different jobs and, um, going to grad school. But, uh, there's, it sounds like you also had that underlying urge of, okay, maybe I'm not the perfect fit for this. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, thanks for sharing. I mean, it, uh, sounds like you went through a lot with your father. Um, was that something that really snuck up on you, caused you to step back? So he, without getting too much into it, he actually had so three different cancers over the course of three years, and the third time was the one that, um, that you know, unfortunately that was the end for him. But I, I think what beyond that, I think you know, he had worked for this this company, this big company, uh, for like over twenty years. Right. And he actually ended up the way he was let go was he had to train his replacements who were cheaper overseas, and then he was kind of you know let go. And he was you know, to be fair. To the company, he was let go with a, a good package, like he was taken care of. But he was he was let go, and and what struck me was at the end, you know, his coworkers weren't there. It was just it was his, his family, right? And so like after interesting, yeah. So after all that happened, and, and again, you know, I can't I can't ascribe thoughts to him. I, I think he again, I I I go back to his was the immigrant story, which is that you show you know you work hard you raise your situation and then hopefully your kids can, you know, be in a position to make choices. So I think in his mind, he probably did everything he was supposed to. Um, but at the same time, me being the generation lower, seeing him go through everything he did and then sort of like having, it's just like, it, it's over. You know what I mean? Like one, it made me realize that you have one life. So in the same way that there will never be a Bernard Bush anymore, like once I'm gone, that that's it. I mean, there's really no do-overs, right? And you can't take any of what you accumulate with you. And so you really want to make sure that what you're doing in your, your, cause time, time is extremely short. I mean, I think what it's interesting that one of my interests is mechanical watches just because of the engineering and the design. But like, I think about time a lot. And one of the underlying themes of the article I wrote was projecting myself forward. So like I always every day project myself into the future for whatever decision I make, right? So like if someone asks me to do something unethical, I'm projecting myself 
10 years down the line and thinking, okay, like how would my life have ended up if I made this wrong choice? Or in the case of the article, what is my life going to be like in 50 or 60 years, you know, 70 years, hopefully when I'm on my deathbed, like what am I going to think? Or worst case, like, okay, what happens next week if I just walk in front of the road and get plowed over by a bus, you know? So I think my, it's, it's, it's grim, right? But I think that seeing my dad go through what he did relatively young, I think it was 59 when he died. Um, it makes you think we only have one life. And if we don't do what we want to do immediately, uh, with some planning, obviously, you know, next thing you know, it's 30 years later and you have regret and really nothing to show for it. At least that's, that's what was motivating me to, to do this. Right. No, thanks for sharing. I think, um, some of what you said definitely resonates. I, uh, I remember losing a grandfather and also coming to the same conclusion, realizing that, uh, nobody he ever worked with was there at the end, right? That's it's, right. uh, yep. it's, it's the people close to you. And, uh, that's, uh, definitely something I think about a lot. Yeah. So when in 2017, you, you did a lot, you kind of glossed over yeah. it before, um, yeah. left your job, um, <laughs> took over uh, your retirement home, which was, I, I believe, your father's home in the French countryside, yep. um, got engaged and married. So yeah. uh, where did that where did that all come from? Yeah, so, man, this is, okay, <laughs> Paul, I, I, want, I want you to stop me if this gets, because, if, so if this gets long-winded, tell me, and I think this goes back to the difficulty that you were talking about earlier, is that nothing happens overnight, everything builds. And if I yeah, try to tell everyone, right. here's how I did it, there's no way they could say they could apply it to themselves because all you're doing is trying to make the next step forward. And it might not make sense in the big picture, but it keeps you going forward. And so it ends up working out right. And so, um, I don't want to, I don't want to get too detailed, but it, it was a little bit roundabout. So basically I've been, I've been seeing my, um, my, my girlfriend at the time, but my wife now. So we actually got, we've been seeing each other probably four and a half years when we got engaged in uh, summer of 2016. And that was kind of spur of the moment. Uh, I mean, I knew I was going to ask her, but we were in Paris on vacation because I'm in French. And long story short, we went to visit a jewelry store to look at watches. And I knew she was going to be angry if I looked at watches and there were rings there. <laughs> and so I said, we, we should just, you know, I, we should just do this. So please pick out a ring. And, uh, and, and that was it. So yeah, I mean, people might say it's not very romantic, but the theme of all of this is going to be that I tend to just make a decision and, and go for it. So. We got engaged and then so 2017 comes along and um, we had been talking about weddings and things like that. And, and again, it's the theme of like, you know, I think the average price for a wedding in the States is $35,000 and that's a giant amount of money. And, and so that might what, be so the we discounted were, cost in uh, yeah. Texas. In Texas, Campbell, <laughs> there you go. A little more expensive so, in the Northeast. So, but so yeah, there, there you go. And so we just got to talking like, you know, what, what is this for? You know, that, that's a huge chunk of money. So February 2017 rolls around and, uh, it turns out that one of my good family friends is uh, an internet ordained minister. So he signed our papers on, on his kitchen table basically and, uh, and we were married. So it was like a free wedding basically, which was awesome. Um, I have six wedding pictures, one of which is in the article. So that was, uh, that was exciting. And then, you know, that was great. I mean, that was uh, reached a significant milestone in my life. But this, this whole, this 
dissatisfaction with my job was sticking around. And I would just come home like angry and not angry. I would never take it out on my wife. And it wasn't anger at any particular thing at work. I mean, the company I left is, is fantastic. The people are great. It's just anger. at I just, I felt trapped because yeah, I mean, the paycheck was good and there's always that fear of like, you know, what if, what am I doing? So I was just angry. And you know, at the same time, this was when I was thinking, ah, do I want a bigger house and a bigger car? And thankfully, because I'd stuck around at my job, I had a fair amount of savings saved up. And so I looked at kind of where the world was going and what I wanted to do. And I said, you know, like, if I, if I do leave my job, I don't want to just kind of, you know, flutter around and not have anything to show for it. I want at least one tangible thing I can right. show. And I had enough saved up to do like this one big thing. And I said, okay, so we have this house in France, which it's, France is, is old. I mean, America is, you know, it's old-ish. Like the rest <laughs> of the world is, is old. And so France... No, you know, I uh, I definitely get that. When yeah, you go to so, Europe, they're like, this building is 5,000 yeah, years old. And uh, it, it, I'm in Boston yeah. and we're impressed by something that's uh, 300 years yeah. old. Exactly. And so this place, I just, so I just, I just, I looked into it. Like it's, it's a 600 year old large house, which it sounds fancier and it really is because it's, it's livable, but it needs a ton of work. And this was going to be my dad's dream was to, to fix it up because he'd be, spent his summers there and we in turn spent our summers there. And so I said, I've got enough to do like a, a you know, enough to make a, a decent house out of this. And I, I guess I rationalized it several ways. First was, well, this is where I want to retire anyways. So worst case, I have my retirement home. And second case is in the meantime, uh, if anything happens to me, like I did go totally broken, bankrupt, as long as I can get back into the country, um, you know, then I'm, I'm good. I'll, I'll never be homeless. So that was the second, like, oh crap moment was, okay, like I'm really going to do this because once you're in, like you're in, I mean, you're paying right. the contractors, like you're, you're in. So that was <laughs> moment number two. And that was probably, um, Actually, right around the same time. It was like February, March, so shortly after we got married. And then uh, third big moment was December of, uh, so December 5th was when I turned in my notice. And that was when I said, okay, like, you know, I'm, I'm done with this. So, yeah, uh, getting married, uh, putting it all into the house, and then uh, leaving my job. That was 2017. Awesome. And how, how were you feeling that day on December 5th? And how do you feel relatively today? Great question. Um, so what happened on December 5th, uh, December 4th, actually. So December 5th was a Tuesday. December 4th was a Monday. And like many people, I was kind of, you know, I was showed up and I was like, oh, I give myself a pep talk, you know, like, okay, I'm, I am, I'm, and, here, and here's what I want anyone listening to understand is that my reasoning, I never ever turned in what I thought was substandard work because I wasn't happy. Like I'm a professional. I did the best I could because I was paid to do that and I was paid well. But I always got the feeling that first I was unhappy, but B, I, I just felt dishonest with the company because, you know, they were paying me X. And if they can pay someone else for whom like this was really their thing, they'd get a bigger investment, right? And so like right. I would just always have to get, give myself a pep talk every every week of like man, like, you know, is this is this the day when I finally just say I've I've had it. And wouldn't it be better because then I'm happy the company gets the better return, et cetera, et cetera. So I get into work on Monday morning at 7.30, and I already had, you know, quite a full plate of things to do. And it was the holidays, so I figured, you know, it'll be a little bit quiet these next couple weeks I can recharge. I just need to get through this stuff. 
Well, 7.30, um, I'm sitting at my desk. I'm probably the only one in the office at the time. And someone comes back, and, and I'm sure you've heard this. Someone say this to you, Paul. They're like, hey, so what are you working on? And I'm just <laughs> like, oh, yep. man. You know, you know what I mean? Like, it's, 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 it's a very office space moment. You know, you've got, like, lumber behind you. Like, so, well, this was like, hey, what are you working on? And so I just thought, oh, man. And it was the standard request of, you know, partner needs something done. There's a meeting. Right. And, and for, for some reason, like, because I thought I was going to get to recharge and because I already had a bunch of other stuff, I was like, in, mentally, obviously, I was like, you know what? No. Like, no. I just, for some reason, this was my breaking point. And so I always try and think things through. And so I said, you know what? If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, like, today. But I want to make sure I'm, you know, squared away with this mentally. So Monday the 4th, you know, ticks by. And I tell my wife when I get home and I say, Hey, look, Allison, here's how I'm, here's how I'm feeling. And I've always been talking about, you know, leaving my job. And I think I just, I can't do it anymore. And I think this is it for me. I also want you to know that I've got a plan and I've been obviously pitching her this plan right. the last couple of weeks. And I just want you to know, like this plan we've talked about, there's several milestones to it. You've seen me working on the side to learn new things, to try new things. Um, and here's how much I've got just of liquid savings. And so he was like, okay. I mean, you know, she, we're very different. And I think consultants generally, they're good at making decisions, right? And the reason people hire consultants is because they want decisions made. And so, you know, my wife, who, who I love very much, obviously is not someone who will just say like, yes, let's do that. And so, it's always kind of up to me to say, okay, like, here's where I think we should go with this. And the, the reason I'm saying this is because occasionally I just want her, I want her to say, like, that is a terrible, terrible <laughs> idea and you should not do it. And, uh, she has not, and I guess maybe she just trusts me, which is fantastic. But she was like, okay, you know, like, if, if you think that, if you really feel that way, I know you're unhappy, you should do it. And so I said, okay. And so the next test was, all right, I wake up Tuesday on the 5th do I still feel okay with, with this decision? Like, do I yep. wake up and think, oh man, I'm glad I didn't do anything rash? Or do I wake up and feel like, no, I got to do this? And so that was it. I woke up and said, no, I have to do this. And so I, you know, wrote my resignation, printed it, uh, turned it into the office, and uh, and that was it. And fast forward to now, which is how do I feel about it? I mean, obviously, I'm un- un- uncertain about the future, but in no way do I regret my past decision. Like now it's all about, okay, I've done this. What do I do to make this work going forward? It's not like, oh wow, that was a horrible decision. I need my job back. So it's, it's, it's good in that sense. Like I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm not looking back. Right. Yeah. I, I've found that people often when they think about these jumps, they don't take the next step of saying, okay, how, how could I get back to where I was? Right. Yeah. And, for yeah. you, I'm sure you could probably get a similar job, but sure. uh, you also have that second um, aspect where you're kind of looking into the future and saying, yep. okay, at 60 years old, who do I want to be? And that That's probably uh, drives you further than um, worrying about getting back That's to right. where you were. That's right. That's right. I-, I think when people think about making choices too much, well, I say too much, so I'm not trying to speak for any you know, broad swath population, but people focus a lot on, on the pain rather than the outcome. And I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah, I've got savings, but I definitely can't, you know, can't take my wife out to eat like we used to. 
I can't just buy any old thing that I care about. And so that's, it's a certain, I mean, it's not a huge sacrifice, but it's a sacrifice, right? Right. But at the same time, I tell myself, you know what, this is temporary because best case, you know, I end up being more successful than I would have been at the firm. Uh, and in that case, I can go back to my old behaviors or, uh, you know, I, I make less money, I buy less stuff, but I've got freedom. And so I'm, I'm better off. So I think it's the moment. Yeah. I'm in transition. Uh, it's, it's not, it's not ideal, but I acknowledge it and I say, you know what, this is just the necessary thing to get to the next step and then just keep moving forward. Right. Yeah. So if you think back, like when you were young, uh, Uh do you have moments when you kind of knew you weren't cut out for this default path or was it mostly, uh, once you were in these, uh, larger organizations? Yeah. No, that's a great question. And, and there's two, two ways that I would answer that. So first, is that you and I, I think we're probably pretty similar in ages. So I'm 33. Uh, we, I think we're probably the last generation where entrepreneurship wasn't kind of the default path. You know, I think for most people, certainly my age, it was very much like go to school, right. you know, yeah. uh, get, a, get work for a company and, you know, kind of do the traditional thing, right? So. Well, I, I think, think it's interesting because when we graduated college, um, I tell people this now graduating college, it was kind of hard to figure out like what jobs are out there. There was no Facebook. Yeah. People didn't use LinkedIn. Right. Uh, yeah. there was very limited information. Um, and now you yep. can kind of see all these paths. And uh, I think a lot more has changed than people realize. Uh, but, uh, yep. sorry to cut you off, but, uh, yeah. No, no. So, so you're right. And, and so the other part was to, again, just going back to my upbringing, uh, you know, Immigrant, immigrant father, <laughs> like go, go to school, get a job and, right. uh, and just kind of live, you live your life that way. And so I actually, to, to be honest with you, my, my childhood, um, I, I worked a lot, but I also had a very like non, um, what's the word? Non, um, uh, it, it didn't stand out very much. Like I, I hung out with the neighbors. I played video games. You know, I just, I worked hard because my dad told me to, but I certainly didn't have, you know, any particular interest that would, you know, peg me as any kind of prodigy or anything like that. And so I liken it to when I, so when I graduated, I had this again, like just inner chip on my shoulder, which I don't think came from anywhere in my upbringing. I just knew that like, this is weird. I, I don't like showing up to work. I've done all the, I've done all the right things and yet I don't feel happy. So what is this? So I kind of liken it to steering the Titanic a little bit because I was molded in a certain way growing up. And now I've had to, over the past 10 or 11 years, undo all of that to go right. on, on the path I'm on now. So short answer to your question is, is no. I had a very, you know, save for the, the strict father with regards to school, I had a very normal childhood. And then I've just had to figure everything out since, since graduating college. I love it. Um, so I want to sh- shift gears a bit. Uh, I, I see you've written a lot and me personally, I'm often surprised at how much writing has really helped me gain clarity uh-huh. and also just connect with other um, awesome people. Yeah. Uh, what what role has writing been uh, or has it played for you? Um, so I started writing because I just had a lot of uh, opinions and I didn't feel like people were listening <laughs> to me. So no, it's, I mean, again... It, I, it, I resonate I, with that it, as well. I, I think writing for me has been what am I excited about or what pisses me yeah. off. Yeah, exactly. Like, so my first, my first real piece that had an impact was, um, so I, I come, you know, dad was in oil and gas, so I've 
my, most of my background is oil and gas, and there was a magazine written for oil and gas young professionals, and I wrote a letter to the editor, and I got invited on board to, to basically be part of the editorial team, and I got to write about stuff that I liked, but then I felt that the, the topic was, you know, limited, and it was a limited audience, and so I felt I could broaden it, so the next step was to pitch it to the local paper here in Houston, Houston Chronicle, so I, you know, blogged for them. And then, you know, all of this was obviously just honing, honing what I wanted to say and how to say it. Uh, and then, you know, from there, you know, once you've got a certain confidence level built up, uh, you can kind of write about anything. And so for me, it was just, it was an outlet, uh, but it's also been very helpful just to my, my career. I mean, when I wrote that piece on LinkedIn, the one that you found me through, it had 155,000, I think it's got 155,000 views so far. So, I mean, it's done well. And I don't want to say that I knew it was happening, but at the same time, I've been doing this long, I've been doing this long enough where I know, like, how to structure a story, what kind of title gets the right impact, you know, like all these things that have to come together perfectly. I had an idea of what they were going to be. So had that been my first piece, I don't think it would have had the same impact as if it were my 200th piece, which it probably was somewhere around there. Um, so it's been huge. Just like in my career, getting my thoughts across, just personally um, being able to use it as an outlet. And then for this next stage of my life, you know, getting some uh, good, positive, you know, feedback and following so I can launch the next step in my life. Awesome. It, if, uh, if you had to reflect back in the corporate world and you had to say, what's one thing we should change about organizations and how they currently operate? What is the, uh, what is your recipe they should, uh, be thinking about? Oh man, <laughs> oh, man. that's, I know this is, uh, this is your, I know this is your, your topic, Paul. So I'm sure this is something we could talk about at length. I think what always bothered me the most, and this is probably what, you know, just made that chip bigger was that all of these corporations claim to be meritocratic, but it's certainly in oil and gas, it always just seemed to come down to like, well, who is, who is like the oldest, right? Because right, you could smartest just guy in the room. Yeah, you could just substitute old for experience and like, boom, like the youngest guy in the room just gets shut down on a, for a completely arbitrary thing, right? And, and I don't want to take away from legitimate experience. I mean, I, I look at things differently now you know, in 2018 than I did in 2006 when I graduated from school. So it's, it's not to take away from people who have actual, you know, experience over time. But in the corporate world, there's plenty of people who just show up every day. Uh, and they will always, or most of the time, it seems to me, that they would end up, you know, carrying, carrying things because they had quote-unquote experience. And so... The reason I got so frustrated in the end with corporate was I felt like I, I, I was doing all the things I was supposed to, to, to do to get ahead, right? I mean, going back to school twice while I worked, right? So I didn't lose any job experience doing the networking thing, doing the writing thing. And I just, I still felt like I was kind of moving along at the same pace as, as everyone else. And so I, I think companies like to say they're meritocratic, but if you <laughs> look at it, I, I guess could be the millennial right. me talking, Paul. I, I don't know. I just I felt like it, it just seemed like it's a word that gets used but not really applied into corporate structures. 
Yeah, no, I I think you hit the nail on the head. I think when companies talk about meritocracy, they don't often think about what are they being meritocratic about. It often is uh, awarding points for rank, status, or experience, like you said. And uh, I think we've also just seen a shift in the workforce, right? So a lot, the work has become more complex, more creative, which means Uh the people actually doing the work are more valuable. Um, but we're still scoring it like the old system. Yep. And I think you're seeing, um, uh, things like Ray Dalio and he's talking about the idea meritocracy. Yep. And, uh, the real power is, uh, thinking about ideas and creativity and, um, yep. what people are putting out there into the world rather than, um, some of the old paradigms, which, which might have made sense, um, sure. at one time. But I, I think that's, uh, changing. I love it. So no, I, I so I will say the the one thing I will add to that, just to build on it, is that I I thought you know obviously I, I think highly of myself because I think I can make this work on my own, and so part of it I left was to prove myself. But to your point on this uh, the the value of an idea, I was thinking okay if my ideas are in fact good and that's still to be determined, but if they are right, then I don't want to. I mean I'd like to rather than have to run it up the chain and have it come back down again or just run it up the chain and have it die, uh, I, I, I want to see it through myself, you know? And so if my ideas are really that good, then the only way I can actually validate that is by doing it myself. So, yeah, I think the right. ideas have tremendous value. And um, the only way I felt I could test my own was to, to try it myself. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I think uh, that's one of the one unexpected things I've liked about being a freelancer is you put your ideas into the world and a lot of them flop, but you're doing it, yeah. uh, you're doing it fast. You're getting the feedback and your yep. responsibility for what you're uh, putting out there. Um, right. so I love that. So I, I'll let, I'll let it slide, uh, giving you two ideas to change, uh, organizations, <laughs> but, uh, I, th- I think they need a lot of help. Um, if you, if you had to give one piece of advice for somebody thinking about building up the courage to take that yep. leap, um, what would you tell them? Uh, definitely do it because you had a bad day or a bad week. Uh, it's, I mean, this is not something that you do. <laughs> do in, not try this yeah, at home. No. Well, and and, then, <laughs> and this is always the, the tough thing, right, is, you know, a lot of responses to the article were like, man, tell me how you did it. And it's like, well, even if I told you, I, I, I just don't know it could apply to you. I mean, the first thing that you have to really be comfortable with is you have to have self-awareness to say like like is this do you, do you like the idea of it or do you actually want to do it because there are people and this and this is fine like there are people who just show up to work every day and and they you know they show they show you know they they turn in they leave they get paid well and that's and that's that's fine like it's not to take away from what other people are doing but i know that to me like deep down i just i felt Every day that like this is not for me. I feel like I'm trapped and and I dislike this very strongly. And unless you have that that level of discomfort, first of all, I think that that that's the first test, right? You have to know really deep within yourself, like, am I doing it because everyone else is doing it, or am I doing it because I really right. really dislike where I'm at now? Second thing is you definitely have to have a, a financial cushion and and plan. Like I'm. I'm very lucky, you know, I have, uh, my wife, she's a teacher, it's a, a steady job, I get health insurance, which that's another whole thing, but 
that that factored into my thinking, right? Was like, like I need health insurance, or do I have to? If I don't, you know, am I going to have to be on the first plane back to France and get national health care, right? I mean, these were all things that I thought about. So you need to have a plan where you have, you know, your savings lined up, you have contingencies, and you think of most things that could realistically go wrong if you were to do this. And then That's finally, it. sounds like you're approaching it like an engineer. I like it. I mean, you, you, you have to, right? Because at, at the end of the day, and, and pe- you know, like people can laugh at this, but I could have very easily, had I not been married, quit my job on December, you know, left on December. Well, okay, so December nineteenth when I left, my benefits ran out on basically January first. I could have slipped on one of the ice patches that we had, uh, yes, you know, the last two days, broken my arm, and then boom, like there goes all my savings, right? I mean, this is a not impossible, but also not. It's, it's, it's a very probable thing, even though it's unlikely, right? And so, yeah, I definitely thought through every possible thing that could go wrong and how I how I mitigated it. Next thing you have to have, the first one was, you know, the intrinsic, like, I feel uncomfortable. Right. Second is the second is the plan. Third, you need to have the financial plan. Third is you need to have some kind of idea, a very concrete idea of what you're going to do with milestones. So for me, you know, I don't want to go too deep into, into it in this question, but there was a plan. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's my goals, and here's how I'm going to achieve it. That's the third thing. And then the fourth thing you have to have is really just doing it. And you know, I'm only speaking from my own experience here, but it's going to get to a point where it builds up, it builds up, it builds up, and you're going to feel like you have more to lose staying because you you're ready to go. Like I, I felt like, no, I've got a plan. Now I just need to execute on it. And at some point, someone's going to say something, and you're going to say like. No, I'm done. And it's just gonna like you're not gonna be able to stop it. It's just gonna come right. without you knowing. So it's it's a process. Uh, it shouldn't be done all at once. But when when you know, you'll know. It'll it'll just you'll be ready for it. I love it. I uh, I think you have another article right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, um, in, in between all the other things, I've got to try and get done. But, uh, yeah, definitely. Perfect. Uh, wh- what are one or two things you've either uh, read or watched in the last uh, year that's really inspired you? That's, so, pe- several people have asked me that question, and, and I'll just be upfront with my reading habits. So, I don't read. I used I read a ton of fiction books when I was younger. I don't read a lot of books now. I tend to just look at periodicals every day. So, I read like. New York Times for economics and, you know, I might read the Washington Post as well. So I've got a whole list of, of periodicals that I read and go through. And actually I think that has been quite helpful because I've, that's a habit I've had for the last couple of years. And, uh, I mean, look, I'll be open. Like I lean quite heavily left. I'm European, whatever, young. So, you know, people can read into that what they want. But for me, that definitely played into like, well, how do I view the world? And like, what is my role in creating it if I stay on the same path? And so just by reading these various sources, which yeah, they've got their own biases, every source does, but like, right. I would read about, okay, like, here's how, you know, this policy is being, being enacted or like, you know, this, uh, the economy is doing this because of that. And so over time, I just figured out this, I, I just it crystallized this worldview uh, inside of me that like, okay, this is the path I want to be on and I feel comfortable living. Now, if people want to ask me like specifically, you know, what is it that you've read that has helped you? Uh, I always, and people are going to read into this, which is fine, but uh, I love reading Paul Krugman for economics. I get a lot from him just in terms of 
uh, like how the economy works. So I've, I've learned a lot from reading him. Um, and then, uh, and then that's it. I mean, so that, that's the only kind of hardcore, like consistent thing I like to read. Everything else is just keeping up with, with current events and, uh, and trying to, you know, make my decisions based off of that. Great stuff. Uh, where can people find you and, uh, keep up to date with you? Oh man. So hopefully if I do my job right, the question is like, where do they not find you? But, um, so, <laughs> that's so, a, well, are we invited to France? Yeah. Hey, the, the, you definitely are Paul. We're friends now. So for sure, if you want to do one of these episodes from, uh, from the courtyard, you're welcome. Welcome. Uh, I love it. When, it, when are you officially moving there? Yeah. So that's another, you know, I, sh- I've gotten several questions about this. Well, I'll answer the first part. So I'm on, on LinkedIn, uh, quite actively, uh, just because, you know, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a easy to use and, uh, it makes it makes sense the platform. Uh, I've got the YouTube blog which people can check out, and that's just uh, David Boucher is the channel. Uh, and then those are really the two big ones. I do everything I can to answer emails and messages and comments. Um, it, there's usually some delay, but I, I I do sincerely try and get to all of them. Uh, but those are the main ones. So YouTube, uh, LinkedIn, and then any of the associated uh, email addresses people can use uh, as well. In terms of when we're going to be moving there. So, you know, in my head, it's, it's clear as day because I think about it all the time. Um, obviously, I'm married, and so we have to consider what my wife wants, and she loves her job. And so I think what I've settled on is, and part one of the questions you sent me, Paul, beforehand was, you know, what am I trying to get out of life? And I think really what I'm trying to get at, and this was probably what I was trying to get at when I was thinking of starting a business all those times, it wasn't so much starting the business, it was just the freedom that I would have if that business took off. And now I realize I don't know that I need a huge business to be free, right? I mean, like my wife makes a good salary, hopefully just freelancing with my skill set, I can live comfortably. And so I think if you ask me like, what does success look like? Success to me is that in a year's time, I have enough money to where anytime my wife has a, a break from school, I can buy two tickets back to France and spend the vacation. Like that's it, you know, so it's not a, a permanent move, you know, we'd have our little apartment here in Houston, we'd have the house in France, and just anytime I felt like going over there, I could go. That's, I mean, that's really it. Like, I, I don't care for giant house, I don't care for a fancy car, I just want to be able to go back and forth as I please with my wife. That's it. I love it. Well, uh, this has been really fun. I appreciate you uh, sharing your story, and um, we'll have to touch base down the road and uh, see how your uh, early retirement is going. Definitely. Definitely would love that. Thanks for listening to the episode. I really appreciate the support and especially always love when people reach out letting me know what they think about the specific episodes. If you want to go deeper into Pathless Path World, you can, of course, check out my book. It's sold. It's going to hit 50000 soon. I think by the time you're hearing this, it will probably have already sold 50000 which is mind-blowing. But I continue all the support of people that buy and share the book. 
If you want to meet others on Pathless Paths, I have a community which you can find at pathlesspath.com slash membership. And you can join and meet hundreds of others around the world trying to make sense of weird paths and meeting others along the way. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a good day.